Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. My name is Sky, and I'm joined for 1985's Weird Science by Dusty, my brother. What's the go? What's what's the haps, Dust? <laughs> what's the going on? What's the going Everything's on? Going- <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going great, man. I am super excited to be doing these 80 movies. I mean, 80s movies are fantastic. We grew up watching them. And thinking of, I got to jump right into the main bad guy, main <laughs> antagonist. He's only on screen for like two seconds, but he was in Mad Max. He was also in this, and then he got a role right after that in Commando. So he was just really hitting it up really hard, but he had this really bad dad bod throughout all of these. So I don't know how, I mean, he looks pretty sinister, but at the same time, he doesn't look very, yeah. He, uh, as far as muscularness, he's 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 lacking. For sure. From the neck up, he's a bad guy. Neck down, he's a uh, he's a he's a he's a piddly henchman, basically. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> yep. But I really did enjoy. I just I really had so much fun watching this movie again. Um, I've been so busy with stuff outside, just life stuff up until now. I had to watch it early this morning before the kids woke up, before you and I got on to record. And I was laughing the entire time, smiling the entire time. There were so many things that I completely forgot. I forgot about the two girls that Wyatt and Gary fell in love with. I forgot about their dickhead boyfriends. I mean, there was so many things because it's been so long since I saw it. Reliving this, it felt so nostalgic. This is a great movie for anybody who grew up like watching this. You and I probably watched it. If it came out in 85, it, we probably watched it on VH that year you know or maybe yeah that year probably i was um 85 what does that mean i was eight and you were six i mean even though this is pg-13 and there's lots of boobies throughout the movie right Uh, (laughs) we still watched it really young and all those nostalgic feelings i love this one our our parents didn't have any uh inhibitions that they were casting on us and so it was just like yeah it's fine no mom did a lot of this She covered oh, our eyes as we oh, were that's watching. that's right. Cover your eyes. Yep. That's right. Yep. I <laughs> I remember she would that. like this. Yes. If, if you ah. and I were on the side of her, she would go, yep. boom. her hands would just cover <laughs> our eyes right then. And then she would wait a little bit. Then when everything was clear, she'd lift her hands up. And this is another Rich, Richard Donner, right? That's the name of the... Not Richard Donner, John Hughes. Now, Richard Donner John might have been Hughes. one of the producers. I didn't notice that. But John okay. Hughes, writer and director John. of this one. John Hughes, I went back and looked at all the different movies that he's written, directed, produced, or whatever. Oh, my goodness. Like You think of so many of the 80s iconic movies. He's literally written just about every single one of them that you could think of. Like um, uh, The Breakfast Club, Pre- uh, Pretty Pretty in Pink, I think, uh, 16, or 16 Candles. Um what else did they have? Uh, shoot, I had a whole long list, but Ferris I can't think Bueller's, of them. Ferris Bueller. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, Home Alone. Plus. He did one, two, and three, which one is the best, but he did all three of them. And a movie that is so underrated, or at least I loved it. It should be much higher up on most people's lists, is um, The Great Outdoors with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, he wrote that as well. and directed. I mean, just terrific, terrific storytelling. And for weird science, apparently he wrote this story in literally two days. What, yep. What's the deal with that? I mean, uh, this he's uh, like all of these stories. He's so good at writing them. And it usually is really, really quick in writing them. 
For sure, man. This guy, he was a creative genius. Uh, too bad he passed away and is not making more movies, but loving all of his stuff. Two things real quick. I love watching these movies, like the old movies with you on Amazon Prime, because with the X video or the X-ray, whatever it's called, as you're watching, you see little things pop up on the side, little trivias and stuff. And I saw that exact same thing. Wrote this entire movie in two days. And that's, a, and that's an incredible feat in itself. The second thing, uh, he wrote Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Did you hear the recent news about that movie? No, there was news about the movie. No, they are going to remake it, which oh. is a terrible idea. You cannot beat John Candy and Steve Martin as a comedian. No, you duo. can't. It's no, a classic movie. You can't beat it. But I love the two actors that they've chosen for the role. But I just hate the fact, and I dare. I, I'm pretty sure I'll never watch it. The Rock and Kevin Hart. They're they're great actors. Uh. I love seeing them in movies. But you're trying to redo Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a classic. Everybody gives it an A. They love the movie. Hmm. You're trying to redo it. It's just it's just a money grab, and I just hate that idea. I think you're right. I, I'm trying to figure, picture who would be the goofy or who would be the serious one because you have Steve Martin, who plays the serious guy really well, John Candy being the doof, the doofus the whole time. And I just remember the scene. <laughs> They're laying in the bed, and Steve Martin says, Where's your hand right now? <laughs> John Candy says, between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And he jumps out of the bed and goes, oh, like he's got the heebie-jeebies. I love that scene. You're right. Um, I don't know. I like both of those guys. I mean, Kevin Hart is hilarious. And The Rock is a fantastic actor as well. He's hilarious too. Um, but just remaking it, you're going to obviously have flashbacks or thinking of and comparing it to the first one, which – that's really hard to do, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll see it or not, um, but the first one was fantastic. Now, also another um, John Hughes was Dutch. That wasn't watched very much. We watched it, though. That had Ed uh, O'Neill oh, uh, from Married with Children. It was a good movie, and really, it's just not suspenseful, but like it makes you like cringe watching that movie because it's like, oh, man, that dad or the, you know, the, the soon-to-be stepdad it will be – is actually having such a hard time. So anyways, all these other fun stories and weird science is just another one. This one's really goofy at the same time, fun storytelling throughout the whole thing. So what was your, I'll jump right into it. What's your favorite scene out of all of this? I really enjoyed the bar getting drunk, being uncomfortable, fish out of water thing. But Lisa brings them in and f convinces them to stay. And they stay till 2 a.m. And they're just getting drunk with the dudes. And then um, uh, Gary, Anthony Michael Hall, uh, uh, just with his, I don't know, talking like a drunk old black guy, just with, you know, shooting the shit with every with all the other guys. I just absolutely love that scene. I agree. That's a hilarious scene. And at the very end where he is literally drunk and all the other guys around him who are older, obviously they're not necessarily drunk, but they're just so entertained by this you know, 15 year old. Yeah. That's in there. They're making him drink. And now he's as he's acting, it was hilarious. When I think of weird science, I always think of Chet and not just Chet as Chet, but also Chet as the blob or whatever that frog blob turd thing was hilarious so my favorite scene has to be at the end with chet running around you know and there's like basically anything with chet was just so good and that haircut oh my goodness what i mean that was like not even a flat top that was worse than a flat top because it was a flat top on top but the sides was like longer it was so weird i like, was like let's let's do the opposite no it's it's like a mullet but not I, it was 
Really, really weird. So, uh, but anyways, Chet is hilarious. And then you got him at the very, very end. And he pulled this part off brilliantly. It's like his inherent or inerrant, um, like, uh, personality. Like, he could be that jerk of a brother. Oh, man. I just love Bill Paxton. And I thought Chet was a fantastic character. I agree with you 100%. Love Chet in the movie. And he's one of the... Like, just seeing Chet on the screen, whether it's the big turd or him, like, with the haircut, the really jerky-looking haircut. Plus, he has the name Chet. I mean, he's got two things going against him. You know that he's going to be a jerk, a bad brother in the movie. But he's one of those visuals that, when you think about weird science, like, his name and his character absolutely pops up. And it's a testament to Bill Paxton and what an awesome comedic and just just actor in general he is. He's always got that screen presence. He steals the scene. You love him in True Lies. A really small role in True Lies, but he is perfect. He fits that douchey car salesman great, and he fit the jerky older brother in this movie awesome. But I do have a question for you. He wasn't there for the party that night. Was he out on like an overnight duck hunting trip? I mean, where was the guy to come home at 7 a.m. with a duck? See, now I'm a hunter, and when I saw that, I was like, that doesn't fit. So maybe John Hughes isn't really a hunter. <laughs> when you come home that early in the morning, it's after you did something the night before and you slept and then you woke up. Well, you hunt in the morning. That's w- literally when you were hunting. You hunt at night and you hunt in the morning. And so when they get done, usually when you go hunting, you would not sleep that night after you're done hunting. You would drive home. You know, you get home like, I don't know, midnight or so and then sleep in your own bed. But to sleep and then pack up, like you, if you're camping, like you got to pack everything up. You're not going to get home at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. or whatever like that. So long story short, also duck hunting is just a little different. It's not like deer hunting or elk or, you know, big game hunting. Deer hunting, you just sit by some water and you hunt. Anyways, long story short, it just, it w- didn't really fit with the early, you know, the time frame of him. And then him getting out of the car or out of his truck uh, with the duck in his hand. It's like, um, I usually don't sit with a duck in my lap. That <laughs> I, after I, I don't normally do that. But Chet, hey, Chet's a unique guy. So maybe he does. Yeah, that duck was the passenger in the car right there on the seat with him. <laughs> but I do have a question for you. What do you think happened to Grammy and Gramps after the whole house reset? Where did they end up coming to? We do not. I'm going to say that they probably got whisked away to someplace else. I'm thinking like to their house. And I maybe not no recollection of what's going on, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Unless you know, there might be like a scene where they open up the doors and they see, Oh, Grammy, Grammy. And it's like the mom and dad would see in there. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think so. They just, they just probably woke up in bed that morning and just with, you know, none the wiser, just don't remember at all trying to go visit their grandson. And speaking of grandson, the funniest thing was grandma said, the most important thing to a teenage boy is his grandparents. <laughs> I don't know about that, buddy. Kids don't often want to hang out with their grandparents. I know the grandparents love hanging out with the kids, but that feeling doesn't really, not always, isn't super mutual. Now, for maybe like an eight-year-old, yeah. But for a 15-year-old? Who's no, all about chicks? Yeah. Yeah. And have you ever looked to your wife, Denise, and said, have you ever? <laughs> I never. Remember that? I oh, never. No, she just said <laughs> never. <laughs> never. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've talks. never done. No, no, I haven't. 
<laughs> That's not and, me. Uh, that is something I imagine I'll do later on in life. You know, every time, you know, when you're growing up, your parents will say, kids these days, I can't believe it. I say that to my kids, kids these days, I can't believe it. I mean, we all turn into our parents, turn into our grandparents eventually. <laughs> so I will look to Denise one day and say, have you ever? <laughs> and then she'll say, never. Sure. You know what's funny? Thinking of growing up to be your parents. So our dad, so everybody listening if on, on the podcast, you'll hear our dad. He's the one introducing the show. And he's Japanese. And he is probably about five foot four-ish. And uh, But anyways, he has some quirks that at growing up, I was like, Dad, why do you do that? That's just weird. And now I'm finding myself doing those weird things. I'm like, huh, I just like it. I, I never thought I would. I just started doing it at, well, I get it at one time. I'll give you an example. Our dad loves to go for a run or a walk when, and Fresno is, does not get cold in the summer. It's actually very hot. It'd be like 110 degrees. He loves going for a walk or for a run in the hottest part of the day. I would see him go for a run. I'm like, dad, why are you going for a run right now? He goes, I like it. I like to sweat very, very bad to get all the bad stuff out. I'm like, dad, I don't know if that works all that well, but okay. I mean, you're breathing the bad stuff. Long story short, I now live in Phoenix. It gets up to 115, 120 degrees. It's much drier. It's a little like 7% humidity, which is fantastic. But at 1130 in the morning, like 1130 a.m. around noon, that's when I go for a run. It's really weird. The reason why it's not humid. And when you run at that time, you get a good tan, which is great. You sweat a lot as well as the air blows on you and it dries you off. It cools you off. It makes you so much cooler than you. Long story short, I'm like, oh my goodness, after about like a month of running in the you know the summer, I was like, I'm dad, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, on top of that, what I, I eat like dad now, where I only eat once a day, like dad only eats once a day. And I, I now only eat once a day. I'm like, eh, that's all I need. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, we do become our parents. We do for sure. And you know, one of the interesting things too is as you get older, you start to realize how beneficial it is to challenge yourself and to put yourself in tough situations and stuff. Like every one of my showers, I get in the shower before I turn the water on so it's cold water. I jump in the pool in the midwinter as well because it's cold water. I'm shocking myself. I'm challenging myself to grow to be a stronger person. You know what I mean? Whereas when I was younger, no way. I run that hot water in the shower for 30 seconds, 45 to get it hot before I step in, right? But I think as you get older, you realize that you need gravity in your life. You need things fighting against you so that you can push back and be strong. And my guess is maybe you've never internalized that or thought about it, but you probably have some kind of natural deep down instinct to challenge yourself, to force yourself to grow. That's why you run yeah. at 1130 instead of seven in the morning, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. And one thing, though, about the cold showers, like actually turning on, making it cold so it like wakes you up. Those are great. But in Phoenix, Arizona, there's no cold water. That's right. It's literally, it's like, as soon as you turn it off, you're like, or turn it on, you're like, man, I can't wait to get out. It's so boiling already. Yeah. Like, I just have the cold water on. It's not mm -hmm. cold, but it's hot because it's all the pipes are just boiled because of the sun baking up. Now, one thing, one more thing about the parents, not our parents, but the movie parents. So um, Gary's dad, I thought this was fantastic where... Lisa made Gary's dad forget even who Gary was. Like, mm -hmm. who is this Gary character? <laughs> I was like, yep. that was so much fun. And she's just, this is Gary, our son. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. <laughs> yeah, it's a really fun aspect of the story. And this is one of those stories 
a lot of movies that I really like a lot, they have totally fantastic, can never happen, totally impossible scenarios, but the movie kind of makes you believe it, and you're down with it, and you want to watch it. I mean, the fact that in the 80s, these guys used a, a computer, hacked into NORAD, and created a chick, totally impossible, of course, but the movie makes you, like, you get into it. You want to see it succeed. You want to see it happen, and I absolutely love that about this movie, that they introduce all these crazy, magical, but also scientific elements. Like, you know what's funny is, is that, like, you think it's magical, maybe, that she was created, but they were just about to redo the whole process, but they forgot to hook up the doll. That means it was scientific. That means it actually did work, you know? It wasn't a <laughs> fluke of a red storm coming in or anything to create Elisa. They succeeded the first time. They could have done it a second time. So I love the fact that, or I, I love it when movies introduce this fake science that can't work, but you buy into it and you get absorbed in the story. That's a great point. And when you're thinking about like the science, quote unquote, science of it all, you know, you're looking back and being younger, like in 1985, you didn't have personal computers. You didn't have phones. You didn't have any of that stuff, like literally none of that stuff. The most technological thing you had was maybe a microwave or a telephone, like a little ring, 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 like the, the dial type of phone. But when you're looking at it, you see all the graphics and everything. Ooh, look at that graphics. We're watching it now. Like, oh my goodness. Like we actually thought this was cool back then. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> You know, what's interesting is when you watch a movie, you often take your own life experiences and like you think about things in the movie from the lens of your life experience, right? Lately, you know this, I don't think I've told the audience, you can see all those tools behind me and stuff. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash YouTube, I have been redoing the kitchen, you know, knocking out the tile, getting rid of the cabinets, installing new cabinets, all that jazz. Well, because I'm doing all that, I've got home building and reconstruction stuff on my mind. As I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, that whole kitchen is blue. How did they do that? How are they going to fix that? How are they going to repaint everything? Oh my god, that's so much work. When you see the missile come up through the through the floor, you go, oh my god, they destroyed that floor. How are they going <laughs> to fix it? You know, what's going on here? It's just so funny. You, you bring your life experiences to movies as you watch them. And I found myself over and over in this movie. When I saw Chet's room covered with snow man, that's going to be a bummer to clean up because we just had to clean up our entire house, dust it from floor to ceiling, the walls, everything, because of all the concrete dust in the air, you know? And so I'm thinking to myself, wow, that what a poor stagehand that has to clean up that room, you know? Absolutely. And thinking of all of that, I mean, when you think about painting that entire room, that was just crazy. When you walk, your kitchen is blue. I was like, wow, how creative is that? And then how much work would it entail to do that? Now, one interesting thing I read, I don't know how true it is, but it probably is um, on IMDb. What's really interesting is that missile silo thing or the missile thing that goes up in a uh, nuclear bomb comes out of their floor and goes up. Apparently that was a one shot, obviously one shot. They want to make sure it's done right. And before it was getting done, Anthony Michael Hall, the guy that plays Gary, actually ripped one. He farted. And it busted everybody up, like all the cast, everybody was all busted up. And throughout that, that whole entire scene, they were all out of character. And it cost a hundred thousand. This is what it says: a hundred thousand dollars to actually film that entire scene of that coming out of the ground. And they had to creatively shoot it differently because of how that ruined him farting ruined that entire scene. So, but I mean, when we watch it now, it doesn't really seem like we notice anything. So they did a good job editing it or fixing it. But yeah, they said it was it was said that it was definitely ruined because of his fart. 
Oh, that's interesting. You know, this movie had a ton of teenagers in the movie. You know, Gary and Wyatt, they were both 15 or 16 when they filmed it. Robert Downey Jr. and his jerk co-star, they were probably roughly the same, maybe a little bit older. Um, Kelly LeBrock was only 24. But you can imagine on a movie filled with all these teenagers, you are going to have a lot of shenanigans like that. I even heard a story about how Robert Downey Jr. and his the the, the guy that he was his cohort in the movie, the other, the other bully, right? They actually took a dump in one of the actresses trailers on set. Um, I don't think like, like on a table or anything, but in her toilet, maybe left it there. So it would stink and everything just as a practical joke. So I would imagine sets like this have a lot of those jokes going on. Poo and I fart wouldn't jokes. doubt that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, even movies think of like Goonies where you have all these fun kids, the guys that are all playing together. I would imagine it'd be like hurting cats trying to direct sure. something like that yeah and so it was interesting what do you think about lisa the character lisa um with all these magical powers like it was scientific but she had all these magical powers she could do whatever she wants who was she where'd she come from what what how did that work out it's interesting man i didn't i didn't really think about where she came from other than that she seemed like a genie to me basically able to conjure up things out of thin air do what you want give you your greatest or your wishes and stuff so she seemed like it was like a modern tale genie story is how i felt about it yeah that makes sense i know that lisa or uh kelly lebrock said that lisa was basically mary poppins with boobs yeah and i oh that makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's a that's a a teenage boy's rendition of mary Poppins. for sure you know what's cool is all of her outfits were super sexy but super 80s, like just just the size of things, wearing gigantic uh, shiny stuff, big old hair the whole time. I absolutely loved watching it, though. And I figured that those 80s outfits, that would be pretty easy to do for like Halloween costumes, you know. Uh, and so maybe maybe next time for Halloween, I'll try to find a suit or something that matches Wyatt or Gary's what they were wearing. Yeah. I, what about Chet's um, like? his red jacket that Gary was wearing. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like you're going to go out in that. I wouldn't, but okay. And yeah. then it got changed like, two seconds later. I forgot that it did, but yeah, yeah, it was really good. So what is your first lesson in the movie? My, my first lesson from the movie is I apologize. Didn't have it, uh, at hand right here. Oh, um, uh, self-confidence is built through overcoming challenges. And at the very end, Lisa says, we need to give this boys a challenge to build their self-confidence. Nowadays, people, organizations, families, sports, and they're trying to build self-confidence just by giving medals and saying, hey, you're doing good, you're doing great. But that's not how confidence is built. Confidence is facing a challenge, working hard to overcome it. Bam, I was able to do it. Now I can take on the next challenge. That's where confidence comes from. You are 100% right because the participation trophies, just for showing up, you win. No, that like you literally do not get anything out of that. It's just, oh, I feel better about myself. In fact, I'll get a tad um, dip into like social what's going on right now. But you'll see people like if something will happen politically and they'll be screaming at the top, the top of their heads, like like basically an adult having a temper tantrum. They're screaming, they're kicking, they're flailing. No, you can't be! Yeah. What? Your parents did not spank you. Your parents gave you participation trophies. Your parents said, you're so precious. And that literally created somebody who's not very stable in their brains. Like, if they have, 
if you're an adult and you have a temper tantrum, there's something wrong with for you. Your sure. parents screwed up. I mean, mm-hmm. you're probably going to mad at me for saying that, but it's absolutely true. Your parents screwed up. There's something wrong. You need to actually, like Sky said, if you have a challenge in front of you, you overcome those and you tackle it and you swallow that fear and you act in the face of fear, like you have courage, that's when you overcome something and that gets you fortitude in yourself. And just by saying, hey, you showed up, you did a great job. All all it's about is having fun. No, it's about winning. Like we want to win so we can get better. If we get better, we do better. We help everybody else be better. So I completely agree. And actually, that's my first, definitely my first lesson. That's something that you can see Gary and Wyatt grow and learn because they were absolutely, they were happy to be in that closet, just, just hunkered down there. But then obviously Lisa makes it sure that they have to go after him. But when they actually realized this is something that they they must do, okay, the girls are actually in trouble now. We have to stand up. 100% agree. And so that's the thing about courage. Courage is not just acting in it without fear, like you're not afraid. No, courage is when you are deathly afraid and you still act. You take and action you through your that, fear. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You grow, you get stronger, you get better. And I love the saying that whatever that doesn't doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You just want to keep getting stronger and better and stronger and better by overcoming things. And in fact, I'm going to, so that my, my lesson is just like yours with having confidence. Uh, it would be also, I would add that I'm just adding this right now. If you were to make yourself do one thing that makes you uncomfortable every single day, something that literally makes you like, not that you're completely afraid of or something like that, but it makes you uncomfortable. Do that every single day, because what's going to help you to do is get fortitude and courage and confidence in yourself that you can tackle the things. Because honestly, if you think I can't do this, but man, that guy over there, he's great. He can do it. That's an own limitation in your own brain. That's a self-limiting limitation because you're telling yourself you can't do it when you absolutely can't. So I'm going to get off my, my soapbox and say, after saying that, absolutely, you need to have confidence in yourself, overcome obstacles, and whatever it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. For sure. Love that. The really good lesson or combo combination of a lot of different lessons right there. Um, my second lesson is don't date bullies, right? The two girls, gosh darn, Holly, no. I, can't, I have no idea what their I names can't are. remember their names, but but the two girls that Wyatt and Gary fall in love with, right? They knew in the mall that they're they were dating two absolute jerks. These guys are not long lasting partners. You don't want to be with them. You know that as soon as they see Kelly LeBrock later on, they're going to be going after Kelly, right? They even said that during the party. Don't date jerks like that, right? I mean, maybe you're used to it. Maybe your dad growing up was a jerk or whatever, but try to break that cycle. Get out of it. Find a good guy that's going to treat you right, right? If you know that this guy's going to cheat on you eventually, why are you wasting time with him? I don't know what it is, how I know growing up, you would have most of the the ladies or the girls in high school or uh, junior high, high school and college, like they'd go after the bad guys, like the guys that were just not, not nice. And the nice guys, they're like, eh, I don't understand that, but hey, if you have a good life or no, you have a good life. I hope everything works out well for you. If you're going after that, more than likely you and I wouldn't fit. Like it's just not how uh, yeah, I would work. I want somebody who's actually a good person that yep. would actually, I'd want to take home to my parents, you know? And so anyways, long story short, I completely agree with that. Now tagging on with that. Don't on my lesson is don't be like Chet, even though I love Chet. I love the character because I love watching him. Oh my goodness. What a horrible, horrible brother. As well as you can just tell, he literally looks down on every single person 
other than Grammy and Grampy, it seems like. But man, I could bet. I bet he treats his parents like garbage. I bet he treats everybody like garbage. So exactly how Chet treats everybody, do the exact opposite. Love that lesson. Good point right there. Um, uh, and even though he is fun to watch, he's a good he's a good role model for what not to do. Anti role model. I don't know what that word is, but yeah, do not be a Chet in your own. Well, life. he he actually, I think a good metaphor physically, as you can see it, as he gets turned into that turd, he's a turd. Yeah. Like that, he gets turned into a physical turd. So you can actually see it. I thought that was, and you see him look at the fly. Yeah. 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 Lisa basically turned his insides or exposed them to the world on the outside at that point. That's light bulb. That was good. (laughs) You're getting all metaphysical. Good job. That's right. That's right. Uh, What was your prop from this movie? I really think every man should have exactly what the um, the main bad guy that comes in wearing the fishnet shirt. We all need fishnet shirts. We absolutely do. And so I'm thinking we should get a fishnet shirt. If I can't get that, if, if you've already taken that one, I'll probably take the house. The house was phenomenal. <laughs> I, love, I thought the house, the, the, everything about it was terrific. Or the Ferrari. Or lastly, the shotgun from the bad guy. So that's my order. I like that. I like that idea right there, um, especially the, the the fishnet stocking shirt or whatever you call it. But um, um, throughout the movie, so you mentioned the house, right? The house is a really nice, really good looking movie, but it is kind of retro 80s style. And I don't know. Did you notice what the doors look like throughout the house? No, I, I only one I noticed was the front door when the parents came home. Yeah, I can't remember the front door exactly, but the doors throughout the house, they have um, uh, mullions and or I can't think of what they're called, but wood in the middle, wood and then the four panels or eight panels or whatever. But all of those wood bars and crossbeams and stuff, they have routed edges in the middle. And it looks so 80s, but it looks so interesting to me. I would take one of those doors and put it right there behind me as my <laughs> office door. just And it would remind me of weird science every time. Either that or... Chet's truck that he drove up in at the end because isn't that like a classic 80s Bronco or something oh yeah a a mega beast awesome big looking truck and I'm not a truck driver because if you own a truck you become the guy that has the truck and all your (laughs) friends call you to help them move you know I don't want to be a truck driver but if I had to take one vehicle from this movie it'd be Chet's I I I love the idea that um, if you have a truck you're going to be called by everybody that you know hey can I can you help me move like I have a good friend of ours uh, you, you know him as well. Um, he has a truck. And if anybody ever asks him, he said, you can borrow the truck. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, my time, like, I don't want to go move. Mm-hmm. I get asked all the time, but you can borrow the truck. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Good idea right there. I have, I have a, well, my brother-in-law, Pat, you know, Pat, obviously, he doesn't let anybody touch his truck. Like he would never, and he probably wouldn't help you to move either. You know, I've never asked him to, but just my guess, he wouldn't use his truck for that and he wouldn't let you borrow it either. So teach his own, you know. (laughs) So what is the grade that you would give this movie? It's it's an A plus, man. This is an awesome 80s movie. If you've never seen it, hopefully you didn't listen to this without seeing it because we should have mentioned at the beginning, you do not want this movie to be spoiled by you and I talking. Like, this is worth seeing for everybody. So much fun, so much comedy. You see some good character growth between Gary and Wyatt, and you, and you get to see Kelly LeBrock in all her glory. I mean, th- this was an amazing movie, A+. I would say I, I enjoyed it, but after watching it as I'm older, 
it was fun. I definitely enjoyed it for nostalgia's sake. It didn't drop down too, too low. But as I'm looking back now, I don't know how often I would go back. I probably will literally never watch this Mm. again the rest of my life. And I'm 41 years old. I don't think so. Yeah, Mm. I don't. It's definitely not on my list to watch again. So it didn't drop too low. But because of nostalgic sake, I definitely kept it up there. I'm giving it a a B plus. Mm, That's my grade of the B plus. Gotcha. Good. That makes sense to me too. And but no, I mean, don't get me wrong. The story's good. The 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 fun aspects of it. There's so many great things. I mean, Bill Paxson brings it up from a B to a B plus. So that alone, <laughs> just yeah, him. But um, still, it's a B plus for me. Yeah, but it's a good movie. It's a really fun movie to watch. Good. I agree with you there. Let's see. What did we uh, fail to discuss about it? The Monday morning quarterback. But oh. I didn't come up with one. Did you come up with? I mean, there was plenty that we could have done in there. But did you come up with any? Yeah, basically at the towards the end, the Gary and Wyatt are trying to create a another Lisa for those two Robert Downey Jr. douchebags. They shouldn't have given them the time of day. Those guys have always been jerks to those two. Do not be friends. When they come over to your party, it's going to be tough. You're two puny guys to kick out the two most popular guys in school or whatever. But just ignore them. Don't give them the time of day. Don't even talk to them. That's a great point because... I, I was just like, why are they even sitting in the room talking about it? Let me show you our secret. Like, I, do, I was like, why would you do that? Other than I want to be popular too. I want to be, you know, part of the, you know, I'm going to look cool. But that's no, what it was. Just, they wanted to be part of the in crowd, I think. Yeah, but no, absolutely not. 100%. And so you didn't come up with a Monday morning yourself? No, I didn't. Cool, cool. Let's see here. Um, oh, and I was surprised. I totally forgot that Robert Downey Jr. was in this one. I mean, until I saw Same him on the, here. I had no idea, man. If you would have ever asked me, is he in Wired Science? I would have said, no. It was those two other guys, <laughs> Gary and Wyatt. But him, you know, I don't remember. But Yep. Yep, same here. And cool. I I knew of Robert Downey Jr. a little bit growing up. It wasn't until Iron Man that he really obviously came on the scene and yeah. really was a good, like, iconic actor that you would recognize so back then it was like oh, i was just a regular you know uh, uh extra yeah that's how he was to me as well but i really did like one last thing i want to mention is i really love the very introduction in the gym gary and wyatt standing there looking pretty geeky in their gym outfits but looking at the girls ogling them talking about the stuff they were talking about getting pants and then just being losers you know deer caught in the headlights right there that initial scene two minutes or whatever told you everything you needed to know about these two characters and i really love when movies set it up that way they they put their uh the protagonist in the perfect scene that now we know everything about them we're totally bought into these guys maybe we were them growing up we knew guys like them in high school growing up now we're bought in we're along for the ride for the rest of the movie that's a great point i love that intro because they just <sighs> yeah and they're getting pants and then just being frozen and you see gary uh uh wyatt sorry oh sorry guys and then gary just grabs it <laughs> back out yep. super awesome scene cool beans all right anything else dust no i'm good to go all right so this movie this week was my choice what are we going to learn from next week no man i should have thought of that i had a list but i completely forgot do you have any that you want to watch well let me uh we just watched Bill Paxton, and we've talked about him before in other movies, and I mentioned it today. Bill Paxton in True Lies is incredible, and I love True Lies. Tom Arnold, Tom Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just everybody. Eliza Dushku is in it before she was even Eliza Dushku, you know? Such good stuff. Jamie Lee Curtis as well. If you want True Lies. Let's do it. True okay. Lies. That, cool. is, that is a fun, fun movie. And you know I like movies that have destinations like... 
there's a scene and then it it stops and then they kind of not necessarily go to another place, but it feels like that scene ends. And then there's a brand new, like a whole new adventure and then a new adventure and then a new adventure. That's how this is like. So yes, true lies is awesome. Let's do it. That, I'll say that's my pick. So you can say next week you can have another pick. Perfect. That works. And I know you like movies that have, like you just said, destinations and moving progression in the story. I love movies with really good looking chicks. You know, we did Weird Science with <laughs> Kelly LeBrock. Next week, True Lies with Tia Carrera, one of my all-time favorites. So I'm looking swing. forward to it. Yeah, <laughs> swing. Exactly, man. All right, perfect. Well, everybody, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate your ears and your eyeballs. If you're watching on YouTube, you heard what we thought about weird science. We want to know your thoughts. So go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash weird science and leave a comment at the bottom. All right, everybody. Once again, thank you very much for listening. My name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with True Lies.